0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 32. And if not, you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. Been walking through this study uh, week after week studying the life of uh, Joseph and but before we got to his actual life which he's been born at this point in time but we're not really looking at his life yet. Uh, We've been looking at his lineage uh, to to know somebody really well. I think that you have to kind of know where they came from. That's why when we talk to people and meet people we ask them what they do and where they're from and and kind of get an idea of, of, of the, uh, the context of, of the person that we're uh, encountering. And so uh, that's what we're trying to do with Joseph and look at his life. Uh, so we're going back and looking at his lineage. Jacob is his father, and that's kind of who we've been focusing on and getting our lessons for, for the most part along the way. Uh, last week, we saw the struggle that Jacob had with God that resulted in two things, a name change and his walk was changed. And uh, in this, we saw the first lesson of uh, what would be two important lessons in this, I believe. The first lesson was that we should strive for the spiritual. Again, that was the point last week. And I want to make this point, impor- uh, reemphasize this week, that the striving for the spiritual isn't just about us. Because I know sometimes we can get in our life to where we think, if I, if I just get right with God, then everything will get right in my life. Well, that, in essence, that's true. But a lot of times we're having a fleshly or worldly take on that. We think that if I get right with God, then all of my health, all of my wealth, and all of everything else will come along with it, and that's not necessarily right. Uh, When we get right with God, all things are right, but we should be striving for the spiritual as we saw last week because that's what is of true value. Um, Again, not only is this important for our life, but it's also an example for the generations to come. Uh, We've got lots of kids. We've got a great children's ministry here, great youth ministry here, and lots of kids' Excuse me are being raised in the church and and this is awesome But we also have kids that are that are visiting the church that that show up week after week And so our lives that we live at uh, church that we live outside of church Serve as an example for those kids and for those teenagers for the generations to come The question some of the questions I asked last week was what does it say when we compromise the things of God? What does it say to those the generation to come when we compromise the things of God And not the things of this world so in other words when we can negotiate things that have to do with god but we're not as quick to negotiate the things of this world what does it say to that next generation i believe one of the messages that it sends to the next generation that 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 i can compromise god and the things of god remember in our minds or in our words i can't compromise god but we'll say i compromise the things of god when I, not, when I won't compromise as quickly or easily the things of this world, what I believe one of the things it says is that you can set aside things that have to do with God but not the things that have to do with the world because the things of this world matter more. That's what I believe it says. I believe when we say I, I, I can negotiate because it's on the weekend, because it has to do with this, because it has to do with that. I can negotiate the things with God Uh, or the things of God, but not the things of this world, again, I believe it says to that next generation that there's this lie that they can buy that says the things of this world matters more than the things above. And I think that's a large portion of what happens, even has been happening generation after generation in the church. We see a, a weakened church even in America today because of that. Because the, 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 the generation that comes after sees that mom and dad will, will not do some things, but they are okay to do other things. And we'll skip church so that we can get something done or so that we can get some extra rest or that we can do what we want to do or do something with family. But many times we won't do that with our jobs because of our vacation time or because of our money. The question that comes to mind when we realize this is what then or who then has our heart? I know that's a really sobering way to start a a service, but we should be striving for spiritual things. We are the people of God. If the people of God are not striving after spiritual things, then what hope is there? What hope is there for the next generation? If we're not the people that says we will not compromise the things of God, then what hope is there for the future? I I would say not much. I mean, unless you have those, as I've talked about even in the past, unless you have those, those kids or those teenagers that even despite the example they have before them, even regardless of the spiritual influence they have, they have this personal relationship with Christ themselves and they determine that they will not compromise the things of God. Unless that happens, then there is no hope. But that's why we saw, again, several weeks back in Deuteronomy, where Moses was, after God had spoke to him, was commanding the children of Israel These things, teach to your children and your children's children and and, and talk about them when you you rise up, when you lay down, when you go about your day. Make sure the next generation knows the word of God, knows the will of God. They see it played out before them, not as an act, not as just a time when you're at church, but every time, all the time, you live your life in pursuit of spiritual things. And make sure that generation to come sees that because it's vital for the people of God. Again, in our study... Jacob has lived and tricked and he strove after the things that benefited him and specifically benefited him in this world. Remember, he's provided this offering to his, this peace offering to his brother. And it's all about possessions. It's all about these things that he's obtained in this this life with his his father-in-law and his uncle Laban. And in this process of striving after getting all these fleshly and earthly things He's burned bridges with family and, al- and others along the way. And so uh, his life has become, a, 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 it's got a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of stuff and, and a lot of kids, and, it, but his life has really become a real big mess. And so he comes to this place and he encounters God. And in this encounter, when he has become desperate at this point, he's become desperate and he's set aside everything else and he's set aside all his, his possessions, even his family, on the other side of the brook. And now he encounters God, He's striving with God. He's struggling with God. He's wrestling. He's agonizing, as we saw the word last week, for the spiritual blessing of God. He's agonizing over the spiritual blessing of God. And God touches him. God changes him. Again, we saw that that two things were changed, his his name and his walk. And so this morning, I want to see this other point. Aside from we should be striving from the, the spiritual things, I want to see point number two this morning, and I think that we have to look back at this wrestling match to get it. And I think it's so important for us to grab this this second point in this. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for allowing us to be here, and thank you for your grace and mercy that you've already poured over in our lives this morning. Thank you for the time that we've had in prayer this morning. Thank you for the time that we've had uh, in Sunday school, in teaching, in fellowship, in worship and giving. Lord, we thank you for all of these blessings that we have. Lord, they truly are blessings to be able to, 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 to meet in, in the freedom that we have. And so, God, this morning, as we continue on in this, as, as this message is preached, I pray that uh, you would just use me as a mouthpiece that would go out and it would accomplish in my life and in every single person's life in here what you want to accomplish. Lord, I pray that we would see your word, that we would hear your word, and that we wouldn't just see and, and hear it, but we would heed it, and we would take this with us it would affect us. It would change us. It would, it would uh, stir us up. It would do whatever is necessary in our lives, God. Uh, again, we're, we're desperate for you. We don't want to just meet here this morning uh, and, and, and seek to be entertained even in some spiritual sense. God, we truly want uh, you to be present. We truly want you to move. We truly want your spirit to have reign and freedom in this place. And uh, as we've been praying all morning for, we still desire it now and even more so now. God, if there's somebody here that's lost, I pray that their heart would be pricked, Lord, that you would convict them to the point of, uh, of salvation, surrendering to you for salvation. Uh, Lord, as, as, as the, the word is preached and the gospel is, is displayed, they'd realize that condemnation is abiding on their life, um, and, and you've taken that from them, for them, if they'll simply accept your, your sacrifice, accept your resurrection, place, your, place their faith in you. And So God, if, if you'll do that, Lord, we'll praise you for that. We'll praise you for all of this. And we ask you to just move now, and we ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 32, we, we're going to look back at verse 22, and he rose up that night and took his two wives, again, we've we talked about this already, and his two women servants and his 11 sons passed over the ford, Yibok, and he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. So everything in his life, everything he had gained, uh, it, is all on the other side of the brook. It's just Jacob in him alone he was left alone verse 24 and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day and when he saw that he had prevailed not against him he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint and he wrestled with him and he said let me go for the day breaketh and he said I will not let thee go except thou bless me and he said unto him what is thy name he said Jacob and he said thy name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men And has prevailed. And Jacob asked and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it? Why do you ask uh, that thou dost ask after my name? What is it that thou hast asked after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen the face of God, and my life is preserved. Now look at verse 31. As he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not the sinew of the shrank or the, the, uh, the tendon of the thigh, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Point number two, which is the only point we have this morning, is we should stand only in God's strength. The first point was we should strive uh, only after spiritual blessings, and this one is we should stand only in God's strength, Jacob no doubt stood because the Bible said that he halted or he limped on his on his newly newly uh, changed thigh. You know, we uh, we have people nowadays that have surgeries, replacement surgeries, right? Uh, shoulders, knees, hips, everything. I, they replace just about every joint, I think. Um, and that the attempt is to make it better, right? To so that you don't you, think about this this little procedure that happened in this encounter with God. You know, when God touches you, it should be something different, right? Jacob's, Jacob's touch from, from God resulted in a limp. So we know that Jacob was standing, and he was standing in a different way. He was walking in a different way. Uh, it's only because, and I'll say this because it's so important, it's only because of God's grace and mercy that he could stand. It's only because of God's grace and mercy that he could limp. Why do you say, why do I say that, Brother Kyle? Why, why are you, why, why is it only in God's grace that he's standing now and that he's limping now? Because he just encountered God. He just, God just touched his thigh. God, the pa- almighty God, could have destroyed him. He could, he could have removed him off the face of this earth. And so it was God's strength. If it wasn't for God's strength, Jacob would be completely destroyed. Jacob couldn't stand, so it was in his strength that he could stand. This, this touch of God was a reminder of the limitation that Jacob had and would have. This, this touch that he would have, this limp that he would have, this different walk, this different life. And again, so when we look at what, how this applies to us. Only standing in God's strength, we have to understand some things. I think the first thing we need to understand is this. That we've got to willingly bow ourselves. We have got to make the choice to bow ourselves, to yield ourselves, to humble ourselves. We've got to make the decision to submit ourselves to God and to not rely on our own wisdom, on our own wit, on our own strength, but in God's alone. This, this should be a reminder for us that, that Jacob in his limitations and in his changed walk and all these things that we, again, he encountered God and this is what happened to him. We should make that choice ourselves. Willingly willingly submitting to God, willingly yielding to him. See, two major changes happened in Jacob's life, as I've already mentioned. The first was that his walk was changed. The second was that his name was changed. And so I, I want to look at two truths I think are important inside of this, that we should only stand in God's strength that are very important. First and foremost, when we stand in God's strength, when we say, you know what, I'm going to humble myself, I'm going to yield myself to God. I'm going to allow God's strength to be this only strength in my life. I'm going to rely on Him. I'm going to lean on Him. What does that look like? Well, that looks like a couple of things. I think looking to His Word, obeying His Word, doing His will, uh, trusting. You know what? I don't know how this works. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm I'm going to stay obedient to God. I'm going to stay trusting in God. That's relying on God's strength. That's standing in God's strength. Everybody else seems to be doing this, but I'm going to do what God says. That's standing in God's strength. But I don't feel like it. It's hard. It's difficult. Again, I love that song that Miss Tiffany sang. When everything falls apart, praise his name. You know what? Hey, when, when it gets really hard, choose God still. Choose to stand in God's strength. But when we do stand in God's strength, I think, I think some things are, are reflective of that. First thing is, similar to Jacob, our walk reflects that. Our walk reflects that. When we stand in God's strength, It's noticeable. Just as Jacob being touched by God and now having a different walk, it was noticeable that he had experienced the hand of God. It was noticeable that he had encountered God, that he wrestled with God, that God had touched him, and that the only reason he was standing, again, versus being destroyed by God, was because God did that work in his life. And again, similarly, when we say, I'm going to stand in God's strength, I'm going to do it God's way, our walk reflects that. Jacob's limp, this change in his walk. For the rest of his days would be a constant reminder that it's only in full dependence of God that true blessings can be experienced. See, he had had gathered a whole bunch of stuff in his life at this point in time, but it wasn't until this encounter, it wasn't until this walk changed, it wasn't until his reliance upon God that these spiritual blessings, that the true blessings of God, and not only that, but the understanding of God's true grace would flood his life. When, when, when he says, you know what, I'm going to do it God's way, I'm going to trust God regardless of how I feel, regardless of thing, I'm going to strive after spiritual things alone, I'm, I'm going to stand in God's strength, his walk was different, and I believe when that changes and when that is the difference in our life, that we can truly understand God's grace as best, as possible, best humanly possible. But not only would it serve a, a, as a reminder for Jacob for the rest of his days, but it, this is the amazing thing, would also serve as a reminder for the nation to come again we just read the scripture that the, the nation of israel the children of israel wouldn't eat the tendon of the thigh from that point forward because of this the limp the limitations the loss the change the hindrances that he would face. You know, maybe before this point, Jacob, m- maybe even as an older man, could, could run and, and, and could, could play with some of his kids in a different way, but his life would be a little bit different after this point. So these changes in his life would serve as a perpetual reminder of the humility, the humbleness that's needed every single day, of the source of true blessings, being God. And again, the grace and the sparing mercy that abided in his life every day. Every time Jacob got up and would, would get out of his bed and begin to walk and, and there goes that limp again. It, it would be a reminder that what he deserved was death. What, what he deserved was God, as, as, as he wrestled, that, that God could have destroyed him and God spared him in his mercy and his grace. And God gave him spiritual blessings that he didn't deserve. It would be a reminder every day that he took that step and he limped. He was limited. He he struggled. He he couldn't do what he once did. Every day he did that, it would be a reminder of God's amazing grace and mercy. Again, Jacob deserved to, I mean, we look at in the Bible and we look, if you've been here, we've studied his life. And he's been selfish. He's been self-centered. He's been a liar. He's been a trickster. He's been all these things. And we look at somebody And we say, man, if anybody deserved to kind of be wiped off at this point, I mean, he has really expended uh, God's grace. He deserves to be wiped out. But again, that limp would serve as that reminder reminder for him. His limp would not only remind him for the rest of his days of the need that he would have on leaning on God, trusting in God, operating God's strength alone, Not only would it be a reminder of the nation of Israel, even today, and they still follow this, but of course, it's an important truth for us. As I said earlier, to always be humble before the Lord. It's always better to choose that ourselves, to say, you know what, I'm going to stay submitted to God. I'm going to stay trusting in God's strength. I'm going to stay humbled before the Lord and not get ahead of God. I'm not going to get above God. I'm not going to start doing things my way and going on my own wisdom and, and trying to work things out for myself. I'm going to yield myself to God, go in his strength. It's better to do that and not be, have to be brought to a place of brokenness by God. Did you get that? It's way better to be broken before God than to be broken by God. If you've ever, if you've been a Christian for a while, then you know what that's like. Whether it's, whether it's through a, a sin that you struggled with and, and, and God humbled you in, in that repentance or that, that journey back or, or it's been a circumstances as far as like, my, my life is overwhelming me. I don't know how I can go on. I don't know how we're gonna survive or whatever the case may be, God brings us to places at times to humble us, I believe, to show us our need for him time and time again, Daily. But how, how quick are we to venture from that place of humbleness and humility and brokenness uh, when, when things start getting good in our life? Everything seems to be good. I, I can kind of handle this right now. I can handle life. Life is pretty good. But as a good father, I believe the reason why God allows us to, to go through these times of, of, of humblen- humbling or, or, or brokenness, the reason why God brings us and sometimes himself Causes us, I believe, is because he's a good father and it's for our ultimate good. Right? We even see this in, in, in our own families with our kids at times. We don't want them to have overconfidence in themselves. We don't want them to have this arrogance or this pride that would wall them off from true wisdom and from true good. That would eventually set them up for a greater fall. We don't want that for our kids. And some people don't see what that they're doing that to their kids. And, and, you know, this is one of those things that, um, uh, man, is just uh, a tragedy, I think, today. Again, talking about this, this comedy thing I, I mentioned last week. Uh, the, 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 the culture of kids' sports today and, and the younger ones that there's no, win, there's no losers. Everybody's a winner. Like, teaching everybody to love themselves and everybody's good and everybody, you know, all those things. And uh, the, the reality is, is there is loss in life. And, and one of the great things that I, I appreciate that sports taught me is, is, is how to deal with loss and how to move forward from loss. Because life is about that, right? We go through tragedy. We go through struggle. We go through, we go through losses. We have wins, but we also have losses. And so how you deal with that is not by throwing a pity party, not by throwing a fit, not by giving up and, 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 and quitting and doing that. How you, how you learn from that is you learn from that and you move forward and, and you try to strive stronger. You do those things. But you know what? There's a, there's a culture that says, look, that's not necessary. And so what ends up happening is kids run into a brick wall. They run into the the wall of reality sometimes because they don't learn that. And there's a greater fall ahead if they they don't learn from that. But kids sometimes have to learn the hard way, right? Even as much as we try to teach, as much as we try to, to tell them, to warn them, sometimes kids choose still to do it the hard way. Okay, I try to tell you, I try to warn you. The other day, one of my daughters, I'm not gonna single them out. One of my daughters walked up to the stove after I'd just made some popcorn and put her hand right there above the heat of the, the burner. You're probably, some of you don't have to wonder who it was. But just praying right, and, and it was about to go on. I said, don't touch that stove she knows better I said don't touch that stove looked at me I'm like you are not three anymore <laughs> why are you trying to test how hot that is and uh so I said get away from the stove sometimes kids choose to learn the hard way I'm thankful she didn't touch the stove and and, and learn the hard way there but you know, she was, she was testing the line and testing how, how, how close she could get to the fire. But I want you to hear this this morning. I think you might know where I'm going. We as adults can be very similar. Even in our spiritual lives, we can hear the preacher preach about certain things. We can, talk, we can hear them talk about devotion. We can hear uh, the church, hey, this is what we're doing, seeking God with all of our hearts and, and striving together for the faith of the gospel, serving, being all in. We can do. We can hear those things preached and taught and then we can dismiss them. And we can just continue to do the things that we want to do we can continue to serve god how we want to serve god we can continue to approach the lord and our devotion or lack thereof to him with a very casual heart and a casual mind in our life we can continue to do that and and, and until the bottom falls out right I'll, i mean i'm comfortable with my christianity right now and that's what so many people are, 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 are serving today, not serving Christ, but serving comfort. Being slaves of comfort, not slaves of Christ. That's what many of us give ourselves over to. And so, so when we, we hear a message about, hey, if you're not giving all, if you're not serving, if you're not being a part of, if you're not helping in, in the mission, if you're not doing this, we say, I, that, I'll just set that aside. I can continue to follow Christ the way I've been following Christ. Will last however long and we'll do that until the bottom falls out our jobs are on the line or we lose them we don't have enough money for bills there's a sickness an ailment that shows up and affects our life It won't go away our kids their health they turn away from God, our marriage is rocky, it's falling apart, then we'll get desperate for God, just as we saw recently, that's when we'll get serious, that's when our devotion will change, that's when we'll say, you know what, God, I have to have you, God, I need you to intervene, God, I need you to show up today, God, I need you to fix this, that's when we'll get desperate for God. Now that my comfort has been altered. Now that what I want has been changed. So you see how our limps can be those reminders of God's grace. His grace, uh, constant reminders of our need, of humility, of humbleness, of staying submitted to God. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul was talking about a, a, where he was. He was even saying how, how foolish it was of him to boast... In the flesh, and and, and he talks about a, a vision that he has and and and, and, and so he explains uh, what God had done in his life and what God had allowed in his life to keep him in the right place spiritually. And so he says, Of such a one I will not glory, talking about this this vision, yet of myself I will not glory but in my infirmities, my weaknesses. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. I'm not, even though I would want to say in, in, in myself and of these things, these, even these spiritual things, he said, I'm not going to be a fool because I'll say the truth. But now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be or that heareth of me to be, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations that God had given him. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should, I should be exalted above measure. In verse 8, for this thing, this thing, this, this thorn in the flesh, and there's a great theological debate. Was it an was it a, a eye problem? Was it, was it a physical ailment that, that Paul was, or, or was it something in his life, a person, people, uh, antagonist, or, or whatever? Was it, was it something that he struggled with himself, something he had done in the past? There was, there's lots of debates about what this was that was in his life that kept him humble. Regardless, he says, I asked God three times to remove it from me. Verse 9, and God said back to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Remember we talked about being humble before God and yielding ourselves and stay submitted before God and standing only in God's strength, living life only according to to how God directs, doing things God's way, only that way. It's it's only in that that we see this this grace perfected. As I said a while ago, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is enough. And so Paul's response is, most gladly, therefore. So if God says, look, I'm not removing that because it's going to keep you humble. It's going to give you the right perspective. That limp is going to always help you remember how important my grace is in your life. That limp is always going to be a reminder of how humble you need to be. That limp is always going to be a daily reminder that you need to to stand in my strength alone. Because that's where my strength is made perfect is in your weakness, in your limp. So Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my weaknesses, my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in in infirmities, I take pleasure in my weaknesses. I realize then that, that, that in, in, in my weakness, and my feebleness, I, I, I can't get boasted. I can't get comfortable. I can't start seeking my own thing. I realize that when, when, I'm, when I am uh, in, in this humble place that, that something great happens, and he goes on. So I'm gonna take pleasure in, in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities when I'm lacking things, when I'm persecuted and distressed for Christ's sake. He says, because this is what I've realized when I'm weak that's when I'm actually strong. When I have become humble, when I'm I'm not able to to, to just go and live life in in the way that I want to live life, I realize that Christ's strength is in me. His grace is, 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 is on full display. That's when I can see it. The best. So this morning, let's be reminded that we need His strength. That we need to stay humbled and submitted before Him. That we need Him. That we need to stay close to Him. This morning... remember that we need to contend for his kingdom and not for our own on the flip side this new walk was a reflection of an encounter with god a real encounter where his life would never be the same jacob this this new walk would would change him and so he would definitely live differently it would his life would would obviously be different he couldn't live the same And for us today in 2018, it's the same. Or it's it's supposed to be the same. When we are changed, when our life is different, when we encounter the Lord and we surrender ourselves to him to receive his spiritual blessing that salvation that, that gift of eternal life then our walks are changed in Romans chapter 6 verse 4 therefore we're buried with him by baptism unto death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we should walk in the newness of life we should live in the newness of life Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 a very familiar verse look what it says therefore if any man be in Christ he's a new creature old things are passed away and behold all things have become new When we encounter Christ and we receive that spiritual blessing of salvation, our walks are differently. Old things are gone, new things have come. Ephesians chapter 4, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation or the calling wherewith you are called. Ephesians chapter 5, the next chapter, verse 1, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints. But, I mean, it goes on, it says, neither filthiness nor uh, foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. As the saints of God, don't let these things be in your life, but giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, no unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience be not therefore partakers with them because you used to be in darkness but now you're in light in the Lord so walk as children of light now that you've encountered Christ now that you have been touched by his hand now that you receive this spiritual uh, life in the light your walk should look like that your life should look like that it shouldn't look like the world. People should obviously be able to tell the difference between the people of God and the people of, of, of the, the enemy. Right? Man, how, how crazy is it that the, the world sometimes can't determine whether the people of God are actually the people of God or they're still serving, working for the enemy. How, how hard is that for our military to, when they're in, in, in combat? You know, it, 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 we have uniforms, we have, we have codes, there's, there's language, there's, there's communication, there's all kinds of things that help us to identify that we are on the same side. The people of God, our walks should be different from the walk of those who are in the world. And, and that happened in our life when we encountered Christ, there was a change. We, he said, you, you were sometimes in darkness, you used to live like that before. But now you're different. What judgment awaits the people of God who know that they should be walking in light? And they have people in their life that are in darkness. And they walk closer to the the life of the people in darkness than they do as a child of light. And they keep those people in darkness. If you've got a friend or a family member and you're living more like they are and they're lost, Maybe when you're around them or know this. You may be the only light that they have. And if you're not being that light to them, then you're keeping them in darkness. Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to try to hurry. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You live your life in a way Unto the Lord, and all pleasing be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Not only that, not only the limp and the walk would be a reminder, but the name change itself, and that's letter B there in your notes. When we walk in God's strength, our name or our identity reflects that. When we encounter Christ in salvation, we receive a new name. And what's that new name when when we get saved? Christian. Christ follower we're now associated identified with Jesus Christ he's our Lord he's our Savior we are a Christ follower when we get saved our life is no longer our own but we follow Jesus Christ but what's in a name why is it so why is it so why are names so important as I said a while ago it's there in your notes it's also an identity right that's why we have first names and last names if we have more than one Bob in here it's who Bob who What's his last name? And we identify, we can have that identity with that. That's why, I first, that's why businesses have names, right? We can start naming, naming businesses that, that have products in every single one of us. Schools, churches, they have names because they have identities. All have to do with that. It's important. A name, an identity is, is important to, 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 because what do you represent? What do you stand for? Who are you? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1 a good name is rather chosen than great riches to have a good name to have a good reputation to, have, to 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 be a person that that your name says you know what they're a christian that's way more important than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold a recent conference that i went to a couple weeks ago uh speaker ed stetzer said of uh that we're supposed to be you know representatives he was talking about second corinthians chapter five i, I mentioned it a while ago um that we're supposed to be representatives we're ambassadors of jesus kingdom and not only are we ambassadors, if we're ambassadors what does that mean that our churches are we're ambassadors of the kingdom of god and so our churches are embassies for the kingdom of god the question he asked because it was in reference to the lost world around us is are we representing his name and his kingdom well There's only one name given among men whereby we must be be saved, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. Are we representing that name well? Are we representing his kingdom well? When the lost world looks at us and they say, those people are Christ's followers because it's in every aspect of their life. They are completely devoted to him. It's not just something they say they are and they show up on Sunday to go through some religious uh, ritual, but it's every day of their life. They're completely devoted to him. They're, they're, it's not just about the times that they gather, but they will not compromise the times they gather. It's not just about the sharing of, of, of what they believe is the only way to heaven, but they're always sharing about what the only way to heaven. They are fully devoted to their Lord. Their representatives. Can you imagine what we would do if the ambassadors for the United States of America were not fully devoted? They would be charged with treason. If, 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 if they couldn't be entrusted well first of all they wouldn't be in that position but they're to represent the whole nation in a foreign country that's what we're supposed to be doing as christians representing the kingdom the lord has been changing names for millennia and identities for a long time abram was changed from abram to abraham in our study jacob changed to israel simon his name was changed to Peter. Even the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul of Tarsus. And with that, there was an identity, there was a reputation, there was something that was known about him. Uh, again, Saul of Tarsus, he, he was known for his violence and his persecution, his killing of the church of Christians. Acts chapter 9 when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. You know what happens? The disciples were greatly afraid. They thought that Saul was coming and because of his name, because of his reputation, because of his identity, that he was going to come and they had to fear their their freedom or even fear their lives. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and explained, listen, he's saved now. He's a believer. He's preached in Damascus." And so they eventually received him. In his letters, Paul would write, an apostle, Paul, not Saul of Tarsus, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. His name, his identity was changed after he encountered Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter three, so for us, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections, set your mind, your thoughts on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? Because you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. That's why. You're no longer your own. You are now in Christ. Your life is hid in Christ with God. Or with Christ and God. Even though we see in Scripture God changes names and identities, we don't necessarily have a specific purpose. But when we look at these, these name changes and we look at these identity changes, we realize they seem to redirect the person. They seem to redirect the purpose. And even in this case, not just a person, but a nation. Jacob's new name would remind him and others of this fight in which he had to overcome. These words were full of hope to the Israelites from Jacob, supplanter, trickster. It, 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 his name carried this, this idea of selfishness, untrustworthy, uh, not, uh, all these things. This is what his former name was to Israel, which meant having power with God think about that name change to go from supplanter, trickster uh, all these things this is your name you're no longer going to be known as that you're no longer going to be identified as that your name is no longer this you are going to be israel power with god what an amazing name change and so for us today when we look at that and think about this we place our faith in christ That moment we place our faith in Christ means we surrender our life, we've yielded our life to Him, we've placed all confidence in Him, we get a new identity. And in that new identity, we receive a new purpose. Our our life is no longer about getting cattle and and milk camels and and, and having a bunch of sons and and, and doing all the life that we want to do and and, and, and getting and being comfortable and, and having all the blessings in this world. Our life is no longer about that. We get a new purpose in living and striving after spiritual things. Christ redirected the chain. He changed the course of of Peter and Andrew's life, right? That's what happened with them. When he said, come follow me, they said, okay. They laid down their nets and they followed him. What happened in their life? He told them, you're no longer going to be fishers of the sea, but you're going to be fishers of men. You have a new purpose. You have a new direction. The reference before, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I encourage you to take time to read that. Paul says, you know, we used to know people after the flesh. No longer uh, do we know people after the flesh. We used to know Christ after the flesh. No longer according to flesh do we know Christ because anybody who's in Christ is a new creature, verse 17. He goes on down and he says, you know what? Christ came to this world and he was reconciling reconciling the world to himself. And now we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, reconciling the world. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So this morning, let's remember, let's be challenged with this. And we need to stand in God's strength alone. Again, what does that look like? That means means he's got the answers in here. He's got the directions in here. He's got how we're supposed to do it, everything. Why we're supposed to do it, it's all in here. And if if we'll do it that way, then we'll stand in God's strength. But again, that takes yielding. That takes humility. That takes surrender. That takes brokenness. When we stand in God's strength, again, when we do it God's way, our lives will reflect that. It'll be very clearly, those people are different than the rest of everybody else. Those people have a new identity. They have a new name. When we stand in God's strength, it'll be clear. Those people have an identity, and that identity, their life is hid with Christ and God. They are known as Christ followers, and their life reveals that. It's not just the name they carry around, it's who they are. Our own strength fails. Again, standing in God's strength will be seen these ways. I want to encourage you this morning, if maybe you're at a place where you're just kind of doing what I said a while ago, you're kind of doing your own thing. I'm, I'm being a Christian the way that I'm comfortable being a Christian. I'm, 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 doing, I'm doing the Christian life the way that I think I should do it. I want to encourage you to stop. My challenge to myself, to you, our challenge from God's word is to not do that, but to follow Christ with everything we have, to stand in his strength alone, to truly let our, our walks reveal that, to truly let our, de- our identity be known as that. And so if you're, if you're doing you say, you know what, you said something a while ago, Brother couch. listen, don't, don't negotiate the, the spiritual things. Don't negotiate the things of God in front of this next generation. Because they'll go, grow up and they'll have that lie in their life. It's okay to do that. And they'll miss so much. Some of them might even miss heaven. Let's get serious. Let's stand in God's strength alone. And I see the the political unrest. We went out of town this weekend, and this whole debacle in the in the in the Supreme Court. And I'm I'm just saying this. There's a messy world out there. You don't have to look very far to see that. It it's an absolute mess. Our nation is a mess. You know why? Because there's a lot of sinners. It's the church that doesn't need to be self-righteous. It's it's the church that doesn't need to be thinking that we're better than we are. It's the church that needs to stay submitted to the Lord, that needs to stand in God's strength alone, that needs to to, to reveal to to all the the, the lost that are in darkness that we're the children of light because we're walking as children of light. We don't have to walk next to, uh, to sinners and live like sinners for them to say, you know what? like you you go to church i'll go to church too no we need to walk with this hope and this trust in christ regardless of what we go through regardless how messy it is regardless how ugly it is we need to have our strength in christ alone so that when those are in darkness and in hopelessness see our life like that they say you have something i don't have every time something happens it feels like the bottom but you seem to continue steady on Why? And we can share. Christ alone. Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for this message again to challenge my life, to challenge my heart, to challenge our hearts and our lives together. Lord, you're so good. Thank you for our limps. Thank you for our limitations, God, that every day we experience because again they're reminders that we have to have your strength that we can't stand in our own strength we're too weak we have too many limitations we have too many limbs to try to get through this life in our own strength and so god help us to stand in your strength alone and god help that be be a testimony as we stand in your strength help it be a testimony to everybody around us that our walk is different that our identity is in christ alone Lord, help us take this message today. And Lord, maybe somebody's heart was touched. Maybe they're here this morning and they do that. They they compromise things that have to do with you, but they will not compromise things in this world when it has to do with their wallet or it has to do with their health or it has to do with their possessions. God, help us as, as your people to live like we are your people, your ambassadors to this world. This is not our home. Lord, help us live like that. Help us to be more passionate about your kingdom and your your plan than any other. Lord, move in this invitation. And again, if there's somebody here that's never surrendered their life to you in faith for salvation. Or maybe they're here and they're not sure that they're going to spend eternity in heaven when their life is over. I pray they would come now. We have this invitation. And they'll say, "What what do I have to do to be saved? What do I need to do to make sure I go to heaven when I die? Lord, just move in this invitation. We'll praise you for all that you do. We ask it now in Jesus' name.